Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. If you would, grab your copy of God's Word and go with me to Psalm 31. Psalm 31 is where we're going to be this morning. I wonder this morning, have you ever had a dream that you're being chased or you're being attacked by something or someone? I mean, that in itself is a nightmare, but what usually takes it to the next level is when in that dream, the things that you would normally use, that you would naturally use to defend yourself doesn't work, right? Have you been there before? Like, like you know, you're running, but it's like you're running with concrete on your feet or and you're just running so slowly that, that, that you just cannot escape. Or whenever that thing actually catches you and begins to attack you and you start to defend yourself, you start to punch. It's like your fists all of a sudden become like giant marshmallows. And although you're punching and fighting, you're not inflicting any damage. It seems like nothing you do makes a difference. And in the midst of the attack, you feel utterly defenseless. Have you ever had that nightmare? As I talk to folks in this pandemic season, one of the things that I keep hearing is how surreal this feels. Like it's some sort of bad dream. Like it's some sort of nightmare. Like this unseen enemy, this novel coronavirus, let's just call it, right? This unseen enemy that we cannot see, but it's there, is out to get us. And we seem to have no natural defense against it. Right? I mean, all the things we would naturally use to defend ourselves, it seems ineffective or let's just be honest, it's out of stock, it feels like, right? They are. Have you seen the grocery shelves uh, or the meat coolers as you've went about in town? Uh, have you heard the medical professionals talking about how they don't have all the supplies they need to protect themselves, much less care for their patients? And so people feel defenseless. People feel helpless. They feel anxious. They feel scared. And I wonder if that's how you feel this morning. Now, if you were to be real, if you were to be transparent and not give the Sunday school answer that you may be tempted to give in the midst of everyone else, if you were to be honest with yourself, would you say, yeah, pastor, I have moments when I feel anxious and scared. I have moments when I feel defenseless and helpless, especially when I have to go to work or when I have to go out and shop for my family at the store. I feel like there's an enemy out to get me and to get my family, and it seems there is nothing I can do but to run and hide. Beloved, if that's you this morning, today's text is for you. Psalm 31 Psalm 31. In Psalm 31, King David was in a rather similar situation. He had an enemy who was out to get him, right? Not just enemy, enemies. It was a multitude of enemies, it seems here. He was distressed. In fact, the Bible here says that his anxiety level was so high that he had physically begun to waste away. He probably wasn't eating normally or sleeping normally. It consumed his mind. Does that sound familiar to you? 
He felt helpless. He felt defenseless against them. But in his distress, in a moment of clarity, in a moment of reality check, he realized, no, wait, wait. I'm not helpless. I'm not defenseless. I have a rock. I have a fortress, a refuge in my God. And Psalm 31 is the rejoicing and the delight in King, in, in King David's heart that this is true. So look at verse 1 with me. Psalm 31, verse 1. Look at what it says. Psalm 31, verse 1 says, In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. <laughs> Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Let's go to God and pray here for just a moment. Fathers, we come to this text. This is a text that is so relevant right now to March 22nd, 2020. Father, we're facing an enemy. It's an unseen enemy even, which makes it even scarier maybe because you can't see it, you can't fight it. You never know when it is attacking. But God, we know that you are in our midst. We rest in you. We take refuge in you. And so, Father, if there's anyone here this morning who is despairing or anxious, God, I pray that this word today would bless your heart. Father, thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace to us. That's what we need, God, is more of your grace. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said. You can even comment right now. Amen. <laughs> amen, amen. So here is today's takeaway. Here's what I want you to take away. Here's the action step that I need you to take away that I believe God wants you to get from this text. And it's this. It's very simple. And don't you love that God's word is simple? God's word. Here's today's takeaway. Take refuge, no matter the enemy, in our God. So whether it's some human agent or some spiritual agent, or some microscopic virus. Take refuge in our God. As God clearly encourages us to do right here in Psalm 31, as I look at it, two questions come to mind this morning that I think help us to understand and to apply this text. First is this question. Why should we take refuge in God? Why? Why should we? Our text gives us at least three reasons why we should. First, it's this, is that God is almighty. Take refuge in God, Eastwood, because God is almighty. David here in our text, he reminds us several times of God's strength. Look at verse 2 and 3. In verse 2 and 3, notice what he calls God. He calls God our rock of refuge and a strong fortress. Look at verse 2 and 3. He says, incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily, be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. For you're my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. So he's our rock, and he's our fortress, our rock of refuge, and our strong fortress. I, I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> one of my dad's favorite things to do is to watch westerns, okay? He loves to watch westerns. And I'm sure that some of you watching today, I mean, you enjoy that as well. If you're watching a western, you know that there's going to be one thing, there's at least one thing that's going to happen. There's going to be a shootout. And when you think about when that shootout happens out in 
town somewhere, or out of town somewhere, out in sort of the wilderness, out in the, the frontier there, there is always one place that they run to hide. Right When those bullets start flying, as quick as they can, they look around and they try to find the biggest rock they can get behind and they jump in behind that because they know that bullets cannot penetrate that rock. They're safe behind that rock. That big rock is a rock of refuge. But God is not just a rock of refuge according to the scripture here. David says that God is also a strong Fortress, right? He's he's that impenetrable fortress, that strong castle with thick and high walls and that drawbridge and that moat. I always picture a moat with alligators swimming in it. You know what I'm talking about? Or sharks. If we could get some freshwater sharks, that'd be awesome to just swim around in our moat, okay? But it's a place that the enemy cannot get in. Martin Luther In the anxious days of the 16th century there, in the days of the Reformation, in that Protestant Reformation, he wrote a hymn that you and I know very well, reminding himself and all of us what God is, why we should take refuge in him. You probably know these lyrics very well. He said, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing, our helper he amidst the flood of mortal ills prevailing. That means that the ills that come against us, the enemies that come against us, will not win. Beloved, God's omnipotence, His might, His almightiness protects all who rest inside of Him. But run to Him. God's not only almighty, but we also see that we should take refuge in God because number two, God seeks His glory. God seeks His own glory. Glory, look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, For you are my rock and my fortress, and for, listen to this, your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. What that means, church, is that God's reputation, God's glory is connected to his leadership and his protection of us. He has skin in the game, so to speak, okay? He's not disconnected. He's not aloof. He's not unconcerned. He's seeking our good and his glory as well in that moment, in this moment. And he will not be put to shame. And along with that, he will not let us be put to shame. Right? He has promised his covenant love to us. And he will not break away. He will not back away. He will not renege. He will not take it back. God always follows through for his own glory. And that may sound strange to you that God acts for his own glory. But let me say this this morning. Praise God that he upholds his own glory because that is the most loving thing that God could do. So beloved, take refuge in God, not only because he's almighty, not only because he seeks his own glory, but third, because God is good and gracious. Can I get an amen, right? I mean, just think about that for a moment. This almighty God who seeks his own glory is not some malevolent tyrant. He is a good and gracious God. In in this psalm, David talks about God's righteousness, about God's steadfast love. Look at verse 19. In 3119, he praises God for his abundant goodness. He says, oh, how abundant is your goodness. 
which you've stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you in the delight or in the sight of the children of mankind. And he mentions how God has redeemed him, how God has delivered him and preserved him. Now let's just be real here for a moment. If you know the Bible, you know that David deserved none of that. <laughs> he didn't. Yeah, he was king. Yeah, he was the anointed king and leader over Israel, but he was a sinner just like you and me. And he deserved none of that goodness. Yet God is a good God abounding in what? Grace. He abounds in grace toward those who are his. And so in our distress, we can run to him for refuge and comfort. And so that brings us to our second question this morning. Now that we understand why we should take refuge in God, let's now explore the second question. What does it mean then to take refuge in God? What does that look like? And I want to be very practical here for you, okay? Because I see at least four ways here in the text that David took refuge in God and by extension encourages you and me to do the same. And the first one is simply this. Cry out to God. Cry out to God. Now, I, I know that in our midst right now are some people who are tough. I know you, right? You've been to war. You, you, you every day go out and do some of the toughest jobs you can think of. Not just the men in the audience, but the women as well. You are tough. But crying out to God is not a, a, an act of weakness. It is an act of strength because you are connecting yourself Again, to the almighty God of the universe, right? And when you begin to cry out to God, you are beginning to take refuge in God. It's saying, God, help! I, I can't do this, God. Come rescue me. There in verse 2, notice how David begged God to incline his ear to him and to rescue him speedily. Notice there as well in, 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 in verse 9 where he begged God, he asked God, be gracious to me. Verse 16, he petitioned God for his favor. In verse 17, he requested that God allow him to not be put to shame. And so Eastwood, God invites you and me. He invites you and me to cry out to him. I mean, who else are you going to cry out to? Who else can make a difference in this moment? Who else can meet you in the quiet darkness of the night when your mind is racing but God? Cry out to God and know this as you pray to him, talk to him, you share your heart with him, your needs with him. Know that he hears you because David testifies to this. Look at verse 21 and 22. Psalm 31 verse 21 and 22. It says, blessed be the Lord for he's wondrously saved his, uh, shown his steadfast love to me when I was besieged in the city. I said to him in my alarm, I'm cut off from your sight. But you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. So take refuge in God by crying out to God. He hears you. Secondly, what does it mean to take refuge in God? It means that you and I are to trust in God. Trust in God. David expressly declares this there in verse 14. Psalm 31 verse 14 says, But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. Now, how far does David's trust go? How far does David's trust in God go? How deep? How far? 
Well, the text says here it goes to the very core of his being, his very soul. In fact, look at verse 15. I'm sorry, verse 5, uh, Psalm 31, verse 5. Notice what David says. He says, into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Eastwood, that means that David didn't just trust God with his body. He trusted God with his soul. He didn't just trust God in this life. He trusted God for eternity. Now that phrase that you hear, into my hand or into your hand, I commit my spirit. That, that should sound really familiar to you, especially here as we come closer and closer to the Easter celebration, April 12th. It, it sounds familiar because Luke 23 verse 46 tells us that Jesus quoted this verse, Psalm 31 verse 5, on the cross just before he died. Luke 23 46 says, Then Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Beloved, that means that Jesus trusted in God. But I want you to understand, what did it say at the end there? And having said this, he breathed his last. Jesus trusted with his whole heart, way more than you and I trust in the Father, yet he still died. Now we know that three days later he rose again from the dead, right? So that comes back to help us understand why he was so trusting. But know this, okay, this is very important for you to understand today. God is not promising that you'll not be exposed to the virus. God is not promising that you won't get infected by the virus. And God is not promising that you won't die from this virus. Now, I pray that none of that happens to any of you. But here's what God is promising. God is promising that whether you live or whether you die, you are safe in his hands. You can trust completely to God, your body and your soul. Third, to take refuge in God, it means that you and I are to rejoice in God. Rejoice in God. Over and over again in this psalm here, David praises God and blesses God. And you and I should as well, right? That is a weapon against the enemy. That is a weapon against the, the, the desires that want to creep up, that want to make us, make us anxious and make us fear. This is not a season of lament. Yeah, I know the NCAA tournament's been canceled, but this is not a season of lament. This is a season of praise because God's on his throne. He is our rock. He is our fortress. He's not going to be moved. And so when you feel anxiety or fear rising up in you, win that battle by praising our God. And finally this morning, what does it mean to take refuge in God? It means to go forward in God. Notice how David closes this psalm. He he closes the psalm with a call to action. We're to act in this moment. We are to act in this moment of refuge. Look at verse 23 and 24, Psalm 31. 23 and 24, love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays those who act in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. And so in the Lord, 
we can move forward with action, with courage, with courage, not in fear and trembling. As you go about your work, as you go about your life, you don't have to be afraid. In fact, you shouldn't be afraid if you have waited on the Lord. Now that means that God is with you. That's what that means. To wait on the Lord means that God is with you. Take refuge in our God. Now, last week when Pastor Brandon and I were having a Q&A, and we're going to do a Q&A here in just a moment again, but I said last week that this isn't the first time that Christians have had to shine brightly and to persevere in a season of pandemic. So one of the great heroes of church history is Ulrich Zwingli, who was a contemporary of Martin Luther and was the leader of the Reformation in Switzerland. In August of 1915, when the Black Death, which if you, if you know anything about pandemic history, the Black Death, also, um, uh, also called um, the bubonic plague, killed like 200 million people. Okay? And this is the residual of the Black Death that broke out there in Zurich in 1519. Zwingli was actually away on vacation, okay? And although he was already exhausted from work, he hurried back to his city to minister to the victims there. And before long, as he was ministering to them, he himself caught the disease. And he seemed like he himself would likely die. But his work wasn't done yet. Now, George Whitfield, a couple of centuries later, would say, we are immortal until our work on earth is done. So Zwingli's work was not yet done, and he recovered. But in the midst of that disease, he wrote a famous plague hymn, recounting his sense of trust and then his joy at the beginning, or at, at the joy of regaining his health, okay? So the first four stanzas were written as the disease first struck him. The middle four stanzas were written when his health was deteriorating, when he thought he was going to die. And then finally, upon his recovery, he finished the, the, the hymn, the poem, with the final four quatrains. I want to close this morning with Zwingli's plague hymn. And here's what he wrote. He said, Help me, O Lord, my strength and my rock. Low at the door, I hear death's knock. Uplift, shine, arm, once pierced for me, that conquered death and set me free. Yet if thy voice in middays, uh, in life's midday recalls my soul, then I obey. In faith and hope, earth I resign, secure of heaven, for I am thine. My pains increase. This is the second stanza now when he was about to die. My pains increase. Haste to console for fear and woe seize body and soul. Death is at hand. My senses fail. My Tongue is dumb, now Christ prevail. Lo, Satan strains to snatch his prey. I feel his grasp, must I give way? He harms me not, I fear no loss, for here I lie beneath thy cross. And then after he was healed and came through the black death, the last four quatrains, my God, my Lord, Healed by the hand, upon the earth once more I stand. Let sin no more rule over me. My mouth shall sing alone to thee. Though now delayed, my hour will come. Involved perchance in deeper gloom. 
But let it come with joy I'll rise and bear my yoke straight to the skies. When you think about right here, his hour wasn't come yet. And maybe you're here today and your hour has not come yet. But let me say to you, if you are not in Christ Jesus, you need that refuge. You want, you want to talk about what it means to take refuge in God? It certainly means that you run to Christ for your salvation. Brother, sister, if you are here, if you're out there, if, 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 if you, my friend, have never turned and trusted in Christ, March 22nd, 2020 is the perfect time right now to trust in Christ. And maybe you're watching this video delayed and you watch it another day. That day is the perfect day. Come to Christ and be saved. Beloved, here's my final prayer this morning. May we rest in the sure hope that God will protect us and save us. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for a chance to preach your word this morning. And I ask God that you would bless and keep us. That you would cause your face to shine on us. God, that you would keep us free from harm. But God, we know that even if harm befall us, God, that we are safe in your hands. Father, we love you and thank you today. God, I do pray for that person who has not yet turned and trusted Christ. Even now, Father, would you touch their heart? Convict their heart of their sin. Point them to Christ, their only hope in life and death. And even right now, they would cry out to you and ask for you to save them. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we have Pastor Brandon here with you this morning and um, with us. And so I'm going to take a moment just to talk through a few things because what I'm hearing and what I'm feeling sometimes myself, I'm just being honest here, it's an anxious time. Absolutely. Yeah, it ought to be an anxious time. I mean, really, sure. you know, because there is a part where we have to acknowledge that uh, God has put anxiety in us. You know, when our children are getting too close to the swimming pool and they can't swim, we ought to feel some anxiety for that because there's there's danger nearby. Absolutely. And so God has placed that in us. But um, but but I think in that that there are some truths to to help us unpack what what you've just said in Psalm 31 because that's. Um, I think, unfortunately, a lot of people will hear that and that they read that and they say, oh, that was good for David. Right. But what about good for me? Sure. You know? And so, um, so, so as we think about that, um, th then I want to un unpack that a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so we, we've shared some back and forth this week of folks dealing with anxiety. Absolutely. Um, folks here in the church, folks in our circle of friends, uh, folks that, that I work with. Uh, all across the state through the Kentucky Baptist Convention. And so, so here, here are some ways for us to interact with that. And this water's for you, by the way. Well, if thank you're, you. If you're interested, you're welcome. You didn't take a drink out of it? <laughs> no, I didn't even touch the bottle cap. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I social distanced from the bottle cap. <laughs> um, well, as we think about that, so four, four ways to, to consider how we can fight through anxiety. The first is to preach truth to ourselves. Um, I, I first heard that from Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a, uh, an English preacher. Um, is that right? Was he English? Yeah, he was. Yeah, okay. Yeah. English preacher um, a few, few decades ago. Uh, preach truth to yourself. And so, so I want to encourage folks as they're watching us on YouTube and, and over uh, social media, uh, what are some passages that God uses in your life to help you 
fight against worry and anxiety. What, what are some of those helpful passages? Just go ahead and post them. Uh, we're we're uh, trying to monitor the, the YouTube stream here while this happens. We're on a little bit of a delay, but, but that will be helpful for people um, as they come behind us, as they come back to this, as they're watching it live. What are some texts that, that you rest in as you fight against anxiety that you preach to yourself? I can think of three. Yeah. Uh, first one is Hebrews 13, 5 through 6, that says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I think about the fact that, that we are, you know, a lot of times we, we do think if I had enough money, I, I'd be fine. Yeah. Right. Today, it's, you know, do we have enough food? Do, do we have enough supplies? What if the water supply gets contaminated somehow? I mean, you know, our, our minds can just think of all these unlimited uh, ways that, that there could be even more danger. This text calls us that no matter what the circumstances, God has said, I will never leave you for, or forsake you. John 14, 18, Jesus in, in one of his last times with his disciples, he tells them, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. We, we preach to ourselves that God is with us through his Holy Spirit. That, that's what he's talking about there in John 14. We're never alone because God is with us. And so his spirit is in us. And then as we talked about last week in Romans 8, 31 through 39, nothing can separate us from the love of God um, that, that comes to us through Christ. And so that whole text of Romans 8, but specifically Romans 8, 31 through 39. And so, so a number of you are commenting there on Facebook, or I'm sorry, on YouTube, and, and putting in Scripture passages, and we thank you for doing that. Yeah, that's awesome. um, so, so as you see those references, if you're not familiar with those texts, I invite you to go there and read that for yourself and, and begin to, I mean, you can pray those texts. You, you can think about those texts through the week. Been, I mean, this is sort of putting you on the spot just a little bit, but yeah. I mean, what... I've given a few. What what are maybe one, two that come to your mind? Yeah, one or two. You know, I've been preaching through Ephesians. Mm. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 there where it talks about God, just his working of history, his in control. In moments like these when things feel out of control, it's good to rest in a sovereign God Mm -hmm. who uh, it says that he... Uh, works all things after the counsel of his will. Mm-hmm. And so when I rest in that, we know that God um, is, is in control. Now, this one here, as you think about preaching truth here, that, that's what we would call on the offense, right? Yeah, it's right. like in football, right? We're going to go score the touchdown here. Yeah, that's right. Um, but it seemed here also in, in Psalm 31 that there's also that idea of being defensive, right, as far as finding a place of safety. Mm. And so are there some defensive ways that maybe here with maybe number two that we Absolutely. could think about as far as protecting ourselves? Absolutely. Yeah, we, we live um, in an age where information is all around us. It's always available to us. But the, the problem is that it's not always true and it's not always helpful. Yeah. And so I think one of those defensive ways is that we can monitor what we're reading, what we're listening to, what we're looking at on social media. Um, we have to... Um, I mean, I think that's a great, is this true? Is this helpful? Um, and is this too much is maybe the third question. Okay, yeah. Because I, I know that this week there have been times where I just needed to take this phone and put it down and move away from it. Um, we, we need to turn off the television and, and sit and read scripture or read another book that, that is helpful to us or, or just play a game around the table. And so I think we have to be careful because 24-hour news coverage, um, constantly getting text updates, people texting, say, did you hear this? Did you hear that? You know, I mean, we have to be careful about what, 
what, what we're taking in. And so that's a defensive way. I think another way, which I'm not sure if it's defensive or offensive, um, is creating healthy routines. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and at first, uh, I, when I put this whole list together, I wrote create routines. And then I thought about creating healthy routines <laughs> um, because we are creating routines. We are creatures of habit. And so I may be creating unhealthy routines by the fact that, that I'm turning in, that, that I'm, you know, I'm just going to leave people alone. I'm going to social distance, that they don't really want to hear from me. And so I'm creating this routine of, of deeper isolation than, than it has to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, I think about some practical things and, um, I'll just be honest, you know, um, that little Debbie makes a great counselor, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, she uh, is a beauty, isn't she? <laughs> she, she's at least in a moment, she's very helpful right, right. over the long term. She's not very helpful, but right at the moment, she seems to be helpful. Um, and so, so creating unhealthy habits going forward lead us to more despair because we feel guilt for overeating or overindulging or for worrying too much. Uh, we, we create these unhealthy habits. And, um, and I think about, you, you talked about Zwingli. Uh, one of the things that Jonathan Edwards would say back in the 1800s was that he uh, took hold of his diet so that, that he only ate foods that agreed with his um, it's not his, his constitution, it's not his conscience, but his, his constitution, meaning he tried to eat things that did not uh, cause him to get sleepy, that did not cause his stomach to mm. get upset. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he, he just wrote so much and he read and thought about so many theological things. He wanted to stay focused and he realized that if he had you know, too much sugar or if he ate certain things that, that hurt his stomach, that he would not be productive. Mm. Um, I think we have to think in those ways, certainly now, all times, but especially now, you know, do, do I really need that food? Do I need those sweets? Do I need that comfort food that, that I turn to? Will it bring me the help that, that I need? And, 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 you know, as we think about creating healthy routines, we've not been banished from walking outside, you know, <laughs> from, uh, I, I came home one afternoon this, this week and, um, one of the most help, helpful things that, that I did was get in the yard and throw the Nerf football oh, yeah. with one of my boys. Sure. And, um, and so, so I think developing those healthy routines that, that we can, can be about. You know, it's one of those things where you think about, Scripture's clear that, that there's a connection between our body and our soul or our body and our spirit. Absolutely. And so as you make good habits with your body, it's going to affect your emotions. It's going to yeah. affect your, your, your outlook on things. Uh, but as we also think about how God made us, God made us from the very beginning to be relational. Absolutely. He made us to be in community. And that's been one of the hardest things about this is mm. not seeing our brothers and sisters. And I think about, like my house, yeah, there. There are seven people, right? You, you can't get away from anybody, even in this, you know, like this social distancing phase, right? Mm. But there are those out here that maybe are, they live alone, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so what are some things that we can do as you think this last thing about fighting anxiety to help us retain that? Yeah, I think we definitely connect with others. You know, um, th this is a great way. I, I'm so um, encouraged, not, not just from the fact that, that folks are watching this broadcast on YouTube, but, but we can see people interacting with yeah. each other right here on this, on this message board. And so that's a very practical way right now. Um, obviously, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm not the greatest proponent of Facebook Messenger mm -hmm. because it's so hard to have text and email and just another way to connect. 
But at the same time, there is a back door to Facebook where you can connect with people. Yeah. And, you know, um, how many funny memes can, can we actually take in it a day? <laughs> um, we, we can come to a limit there. And we can use even a, a platform like Facebook to talk to people privately to encourage them to reach out to build relationships if you don't have an email address if you don't have uh, their phone number to text them or to call them uh, then, then you could use a platform like that to reach out but but by all means you know and the other thing that we think about um, texting and and writing emails or messages is great sometimes you just need to hear people's voices yeah and I think sometimes we forget that this thing is called a smart phone. <laughs> you mean you can call phone. people? You can. You can actually call oh, people wow. and talk to them on it. Um, and, and so we, we can do that. Or even beyond, I mean, thank, thank the Lord for the technology of, of uh, FaceTiming, Skype, oh, sure. Zoom, uh, Microsoft Teams, wh- whatever it is to, to interact with people um, in that way. And so, so be proactive um, yeah. in that. When, when somebody is fr- from a distance, if you have family members who are in that high-risk category, mm-hmm. um, uh, being able to see them for just a few moments here, uh, you know, uh, through a video chat yeah. or a video conference goes a long way. It makes a huge difference. And, mm-hmm. and let me say this so that you know, uh, Pastor Ed and, and, and I have been working on a few things this mm-hmm. week to try to make sure that we keep our small groups functioning, mm-hmm. even from a distance, okay? And so if you haven't heard already from your small group leader, we are hoping that our small groups will be able to go to a virtual conference mm-hmm. call, of mm-hmm. conf- conference, video conference sort of thing. Yeah. And so even today, I know that there are uh, brothers who have scheduled small group times virtually through Zoom, mm-hmm. through Google Meet, yeah. through other ones that you mentioned. So yeah. be looking for that. It may feel strange, yeah. but it really is a blessing from God. Absolutely. I mean, in 2020, to have that kind of technology to connect and make community. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's great. And, and, you know, one of the things that's happening here at Eastwood is, is that our pastors are working hard to, uh, to build structure so that people are touched. And so, so, so if, you have, uh, if you have a need and, and you don't know who to turn to, Reach out. Call call the church office number, which is two seven zero eight four two seven eight six seven, and uh, you can connect with someone there. Um, if you if you, I mean, really, if if you're not connected to someone, uh, the pastors at East would want to help yeah. you. I know that there are deacons, that the choir is doing some some special things. There are people who will connect with you if you feel cut off and isolated um, during during this time. Um, anything else that, that you would add to that, Ben? I've got one other thing that I want to no, mention. No, I mean, that, that's a great list. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah go ahead. So I think uh, one of the things that, that came to my mind while, while you were working through Psalm 31 mm. was how, um, and I think you really brought it home, that, that quote from Zwingli about being immortal until our work on yeah. earth is Whitfield, done. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was Whitfield. That, that was wasn't Whitfield. Zwingli. Okay, yeah. sorry. Um, and so, so... Um, I think about how God sometimes accomplishes things over a long period of time, and we, are, we, we have no idea what he's doing. And so um, I, I hear that with, with David, that, that he is drawing from what God has done in the past oh, yeah. to deal with what's happening in this moment. He has learned how to incline his ear to God. He has learned how to go to God as his rock and his fortress. And sometimes we have to be reminded of God's faithfulness over a span of time. And so as you were uh, preaching just a moment ago, I was sitting over there and, and li- listening to you. Um, I thought about the fact that, that in the early 2000s, so more than 15 years ago, um, I, I would, you, you and Christy had left Smith Grove Baptist where we served together. You guys had moved uh, to the Louisville area to go to seminary. 
And, um, and th- th- there were times when I would leave Smith's Grove and I would come down the interstate and I would come down Scottsville Road and I would drive all the way to Scottsville and then turn and wind my way 31-101 all the way back up to, to Smith's Grove. Mm-hmm. And I would do that just to process. That's one of the ways that I process through things as I think and pray while I drive. And uh, just, it's just helpful to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of therapeutic to me. But every time I would come down from exit 22 until I got to Scottsville, I would do my best to pray that the Lord would plant a church. Because I, like I've shared many times, I went to school at Alberton Elementary School, uh, high school at Greenwood High School, grew up out here in Alberton. And, um, and, and so I just had a great desire to see the Lord do something here in this community. That There were a few churches out in this area, but not many. Mm-hmm. And so just praying for that. And uh, again, that, that's, that's more than 15 years ago yeah. that, that I was doing that. And I'm sure that there were others, and I know um, that, that at Eastwood there, there were other people who were praying. Mm-hmm. But here we sit more than 15 years later, right off Scottsville Road, out in Alberton, Kentucky. Here we are mm-hmm. sort of a together again. Yeah, full circle. And, and so that we can do a live broadcast mm-hmm. during one of the most crazy times mm-hmm. that, that I can remember in my lifetime, may, maybe in the last... I don't know how many years, but many, many years for, for, for folks. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought about the fact that, that God is faithful, that there are things that he was putting in place yeah. to come to this moment. And I just rest assured that he is putting things in place yeah. right now. There are conversations happening in families, happening among friends that mm-hmm. would not happen if people were not forced to stop mm-hmm. and to be together. And, and good things are happening. The Lord is using this to bring good that, that, that we may not know in three weeks or three months or three years, but in 10 years from now, right. we'll see how he blessed and how he worked during the most difficult of times. And so, so, so I just want to encourage you to be faithful to the Lord because he is faithful to us and you can trust him. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to be your savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live, and he stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned, 
which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us. And I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.